Hi there. Hello, friend. You're listening to Despair on the Air. On the internet. I'm Gary. And I'm Andrew. And tonight we have a fun episode for you. Yes, it is. We have special guest, Juliet Sunflower. And to introduce her, we're playing her new single, Drinking Rain. But then, to get us started, we're playing a pick from Juliet by Despair Alumni, Derek Ted. The song is called Cascade Spilling. We hope you enjoy the start of this show and the middle and the end of it. Yes. Hey, Angie. Have you ever drink rain? You know, I think I was told when I was little, rain is dirty. So, no. Damn. Yeah, I'm sure it's okay, though. It's from Mother Nature. She has, yeah. a, she has filters. I, probably I think th- clouds are kind of like filters. I don't know. Is anybody a meteorologist who can give us some insight? Yes, if you are an expert on this, please contact us on our yes. social media at Despair on the Air. Yes, thank you. But in the meanwhile, enjoy these tunes and enjoy our upcoming interview on... Despair on the Air.
special guest. Will you please introduce yourself, Juliet? Hi, yeah, I'm Juliet Sunflower. I'm a 24-year-old musician, singer-songwriter, living in Los Angeles. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on. I was jamming to your song, Red Dirt. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite like um, songs to listen to on like a drive. <laughs> It's a yeah. good, it's a good, good, I almost said like beat, but that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but I guess the best place to start is when did you start getting into music and when did you start kind of like playing? Yeah, well, I, so I grew up with two uh, musician parents and I, they both play classical music. So I, my upbringing was in like the classical music world. Okay. I started playing cello from a very young age. I think I was probably like four years old when I got my first cello. Very cool. Yeah, just a tiny, tiny little child. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my, my dad plays viola and my mom plays violin. So we were a string family and I, Aww. yeah, I got my start in playing cello and I kind of was really serious about that until about the age of 15. And that was kind of when I started looking at the guitar, like, oh, okay, 
I'm interested in this. I wanna, I wanna try playing guitar. But I'd always kind of been a singer. I remember just singing all the time, even when I was a child. So I'd always had that singing, that singing thing. And I, yeah, I guess when I started playing guitar, I was around like 14, 15, and it just made so much sense for me to sing with it. So I started mm-hmm. doing that. And then I just started writing, and then that was the end of it <laughs> for me. I just had to do that. Awesome. So, yeah. Have you since then played cello in any of your um, recorded music? I have. Yeah. I was actually recording cello last night. <gasps> I, um, I, picked it back up because I just I had like a huge break from cello because I was like I need to just focus on singing and writing Mm -hmm. and I picked it back up like a year ago and I was like okay this could actually be a really cool tool for me to utilize in recordings and like cello is such an interesting instrument that it can work in all different kinds of genres so I was like this could actually be perfect for the kind of music that I make and I um the EP that I just finished there's one song on there called Mermaid that I played a cello part in and I it was fun yeah but I I definitely want to continue at it I just cello is one of those instruments where you have to be practicing 24 7 for it to sound really good so Mm -hmm. Yeah, just trying to keep my chops up, but yeah. That's super cool. Gary and I have like a long-term online friend who, um, they play cello as well. And they um, will cover like songs that you would think like wouldn't, you know, work for that type of instrument. But they, it's so awesome to see like their covers with like um, them singing and them playing cello at the same time. And like, um, you know, you especially for like some like, like more rock and roll type songs, like, it's really really neat like it's exactly what you said it's a very like genre crossing instrument even though we don't think of it that way yeah that's so cool and Juliet, when you were 18 what bands did you go crazy over i mean i feel like everyone i kind of had like a one direction phase (laughs) (laughs) and then i don't know i wasn't a crazy like band person I definitely was like mostly inspired to pick up the guitar by Taylor Swift and like music like that um but I would say I mean I I really liked the 1975 for a while had like a huge obsession with them and then yeah but I wasn't I wasn't a crazy band person Oh, Paramore, I guess, too. Yes. (laughs) They were a classic for me. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. No, it's really cool. Were you, like, a huge One Direction fan? Did you, like, read the fan fictions and stuff and, like, have a favorite boy? Never got huge into fan fiction, but I just remember, like, I was living in Australia at the time, and they... I remember when it, like, swept the nation, but, like, Mm -hmm. especially when, like, people in Australia started going crazy for them, I feel like that was such a distinct moment in my life that I can remember, like, every teenage girl just going crazy for them. (laughs) Definitely. I remember when it swept the nation here. I was, it was, like, fun. I never got into it, but I definitely, um, it's a lot of, like, joy. Yeah, it was a lot of joy. A lot of uh, teenage girl joy, which is not a bad thing. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, and then once you start playing music professionally, what were kind of some of the first venues and places you were playing that you, that you felt really comfortable on stage? And then who were some of the first people you were playing alongside with who made you feel really supported on the stage? Yeah, well, I, I started probably playing shows when I was about 16, 17. And I would do this residency in uh, Melbourne. It was just at this little bar in St Kilda. And I'd play alongside my friend Ed Hawke. And um, he was kind of one of the first people who introduced me to like the music scene in Melbourne, but specifically for like more acoustic music, like what I was making at the time. And we would play like residencies together and then eventually started playing in like a full band together. So that was probably like my introduction into that world and into playing shows. But I also, I also played a show in London when I was like 16 that I, I was opening for this. She's now gone super pop, but her name is Nina Nesbitt. And she was, uh, she played this gig in London that I got to open for, which was pretty great. Um, so that was probably like my first like big show that I was like, oh, okay, wow, I, I really could see myself doing this. Um, yeah, but I mostly played alongside my friend Ed Hawke until, for about like three years. And that was, that was amazing, just like getting into playing shows. Definitely. Did you travel to London specifically for that show? I did, yeah. <laughs> like all the way from like uh, here in the States or from Australia? It's from Australia. So wow, it was really that's long. a long flight. I know. That's super cool. Was there anything like you wanted to do right like after the show? Like were you, what was like you most excited about? Was it the show or like kind of to travel a little bit and see the city? I think I was most excited for the show, but okay. it was really cool. The show was, uh, at this venue called Dingwalls, and it's kind of like in the Camden area of London. Mm-hmm. And I got to spend some time there and just like go around the market there. And that was really cool. But yeah, I feel like I was just so young that I was just yeah like, to be there and just like wide-eyed and looking at everything with like so much magic. Was it like a solo trip or was uh like one of your parents? <laughs> oh, my dad came with me. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, the dad-daughter trip and it was that's very really cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. I'm glad you had that experience. Yeah, it was great. And would you care to talk about your favorite gig memory, either one you've played or just attended at? This is super random, but I recently played a house show in Nashville like end of June I think it was and I was playing I've recently put out this cover of anything by Adrian Lenka with Derek Ted and we he was also playing the house show and we played that cover and it was both of our like first shows back like since the pandemic mm. so it was already like a very special gig but then we started playing this cover together and then like everywhere when it was jam-packed like this living room just like full of people and as soon as we started playing that cover like everyone started singing along which I didn't think would happen even though like obviously with covers everyone most people there would know the words you know but everyone started singing along and it was just so sweet it was just one of those moments where you're like dang I really missed this and like 
took it for granted in a way. That was probably my most recent, like one that is at the top of my head. That was very special. Definitely. And that actually leads me perfectly into my next two questions. Um, the first is what just popped into my mind. I was going to ask you actually about that cover you did recently of Derek Ted because it's very, very good. And um, Derek's put out some really good covers over the past few years. He did a cover for um, a Stevie Bridges Garden song on the show um, almost a year now, maybe like yeah. 10 months ago on the show. Yeah. And then I remember I never had heard the Casey Musgrave song of his wild things. So I thought it was his song for the longest time. Me too. And I was like, this is so good. And like, no offense, Miss Casey. But when I heard her version, I was like, dang. Like, I like dang. <laughs> really, <laughs> his version like, was the first one I've heard as well. We were like, this is such a good song. That's so amazing. The cover. But yes, I hope you guys do more covers in the future. Uh, <laughs> I think it would be really cool. <laughs> Your voices complement each other very, very well. Ah, uh, thank you. And then my second question was like, exactly, like, yeah, about the, uh, you've been getting back out there and playing some gigs, and after like this long stretch of like nobody really being able to play gigs except for like on virtual formats, like via live streams and things, what was it like, I guess, to be back out there? You kind of covered it a little bit, but you know how how you're feeling like getting your just kind of jumping back into the pool and like learning how to swim again yeah totally it was very nerve-wracking um I remember leading up to that house show in Nashville I was so scared and just like what if I you know like what if my voice just isn't the same like in front of people Mm -hmm. it's just like I guess singing for yourself for that long, like a year and a half and like not doing it publicly is very like spooky because you're like, what if I'm different now? (laughs) There are so many questions that were like popping into my head or like, what if if this happens? And I don't know, I just, the experience I had at that house show was like quite the opposite. Like I found it to be like, I opened up in a way and that was just really special and comforting because I was like, okay, this feels like what I'm supposed to do. And also just having other people in the room, like listening to you and having that, being able to share that kind of energy is so something that I didn't even realize I'd miss so much. Definitely. And it, it was it was just really affirming. And I guess even before the pandemic, like I had played some shows and had some experience doing that, but it wasn't it probably wasn't my favorite part of being a musician and artist to be completely honest it was something that i enjoyed but i think i have a newfound love for it now just having gone that long not having music being so solitary you know definitely Uh, our first show back was kind of a backyard show too and Nice. Feeling those same sentiments as well. Yes. And Juliet, what can you tell us about the process of crafting your next EP set to release at the time of this episode release this Friday? Yeah. Um, it was so much fun to make, but also extremely solitary, <laughs> like most things have been over the past year or so. Um, I... So I was living, for a bit of background context, I was living in Nashville uh, from 2017 to like mid-2020. 
and I had moved back to Australia June of last year so like kind of a, a couple of months into the pandemic and I uh I moved back and I had to do this mandatory like hotel quarantine in Australia for two weeks mm-hmm. which ev- anyone traveling back into the country had to do this um and I kind of made it a goal for myself to just make or write and hopefully make an EP in that two-week process. And I, it ended up working somehow. I just like had this crazy creative like outpour. Um, I think just having that much downtime, like I wasn't working and I really was just like resting and processing things that maybe I hadn't had the time or energy or even space to process. So for me, the window opened and I was able to write so much. Um, And then, yeah, I was like, this feels like an EP. So I chose like my four favorite songs that I'd written in that time. And I had decided to work with my friend, Andrew Goldring, who was still in Nashville. So I basically just recorded like the guitar and vocals in Melbourne and then sent him those stems and he added everything else. So it was completely remote production. Um, but something about that, I, I had known Andrew for a couple of years and we'd made music together in person too when I lived in Nashville. So we already knew each other super well and knew how the other person worked and like our chemistry with that. So it was kind of just perfect because I just sent him like the bare bones of the song and then he was like okay I think we should do this I think we should add this instrument Mm -hmm. and I pretty much just gave him full like creative control and trust uh so that the EP was the result of that yeah I just chose my favorite four songs and he added everything (laughs) awesome that's really really cool yeah we've been hearing a lot too from our guests about like what it's been like to create in such isolation or like you know with other people but like kind of only online um we're super excited for the ep and we wish you the best of luck with it um and then kind of on a wider note how has your songwriting process been like in general like what kind of inspires like your writing and your lyricism I try as best I can to just be like an honest songwriter Mm -hmm. I think like I'm super inspired by people like Adrienne Linka who to me it just seems like she's always tapped into some kind of like someone explained it to me once it's like it's like an excavation process you're like digging for something or you're like digging something up And I really like that imagery because I feel like it always reminds me to try and stay as tapped in as possible. And I love like people who can mix like really honest songwriting with like really beautiful imagery. And I think that I'm trying (laughs) to kind of cultivate that as best I can, but writing for me, it's quite random. Like there's no, I, I can't force myself to sit down and write a song. It kind of has to just come to me in the moment. And usually that I'll just be like sitting down and then I just get the overwhelming urge to just 
go and get my guitar and I'm like it's usually like some kind of force outside of myself that like mm-hmm. it's like okay you need it right now and I'm like okay so I feel like mostly I'm trying to just stay as open as possible in order for that force to like call upon me so that I can do it I mean a lot of the time that means being bored you know and not mm-hmm. having stresses in your life or whatever that can cloud that kind of force from calling you or yeah that's the way I'm trying to view it at the moment and I think that's what when I feel like I'm writing my best work I feel like it is coming from outside of myself um yeah (laughs) I don't know if that answers the question but definitely no and even just in the way you speak like you said you want like to be illustrating and be descriptive with your um also just the way you speak it's like especially for example of like digging and excavating because that's so true um with your music and I see it too in other people's music where yeah you dig something up out of yourself or out of a situation out of an environment but much like you know like an archaeologist you're not just dumping the dirt and the bones on the table in the museum and going there you go you're still having to go back and you know like dust off you know some stuff you know put everything into place you know the digging is like what you said it's like sitting down to the guitar getting everything out but then you know the I, I don't even know what the term is for <laughs> it's like polishing the bones and stuff is like you know when you collaborate with somebody else or like you know you go back and you add elements to it or you like sit with it a little bit it's really yeah. cool awesome well we are going to take a quick break but we will be back with more chat with Juliet Sunflower on the spare on the air thanks for listening to the first half of our interview with Juliet Sunflower we got some good good tunes to play for you all of them are recent-ish singles yes starting it off with Joanna by Will Be then we're gonna play I Am The Car by Thick Fruit. Then we're gonna go to a little groovy, groovy tune called Get Up by Sesame Girl. Ooh. Did your mom ever have fake fruit as a decoration in the house, Gary? Fake fruit. Uh, like those we little. We We had those little ones, like those magnets on the fridge, but. No, like actual, like fake, like styrofoam fruit you put in the no. Dang. What kind? What kind of fruit do you got? Oh, grapes. A pear. An apple. Both colors of apple. Mm, apples. <laughs> Thanks for listening. To despair. On the air. On BFF. That was from Deal Homer. That was bad. It's not bad. That was a bad homer, yeah. Bad homer? Okay, fine. No! Aw, it's even worse. Keep that in, keep that in. I 
Friends are doing all it. Your friends are doing all your friends are doing it. 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 Best frequencies forever. And we are back. And we are back with our good pal Juliet Sunflower, and we are chatting all about music and tunes. Yes, and to kick things right back off. Juliet, which song from your repertoire is your favorite to perform? I'm probably going to have to go with Red Dirt. <laughs> I know I, I only released that song like six months ago or maybe maybe a bit longer than that. But the shows that I've played it at recently, I'm like, I love playing this song. <laughs> so yeah, I would say Red Dirt. Awesome. Cool. Um, and then I like to ask this just because it's like jarring and people kind of like get shocked when I ask this. Do you have a song you don't like to perform but you feel like you have to because it's like people like it or maybe it's a song that like you like to play but you didn't realize how hard like a part would be to perform live and then you're like, oh no, <laughs> gotta do this one. <laughs> oh yeah. I have this song called Salt of the Earth mm-hmm. um, that I don't really enjoy playing that one. <laughs> I I don't know what it is about that song. I think it's just like the guitar part mm-hmm. kind of hard to play. And then like singing that chorus along with the guitar is like kind of a hard uh, place for my voice to sit. It's probably that song, even though I have played it sometimes and enjoyed it. <laughs> but if I had to choose, I would I would say that one, yeah. Awesome. And then, are there any songs that you've yet to cover, but you're desperately wanting to? I have always wanted to cover a Fleetwood Mac song, but I think I would have to say specifically The Chain, because the harmonies in that song are so powerful and so, Mm -hmm. like, incredible. It's just so incredibly written. I actually have tried to cover that. When I was in a band in Melbourne, we tried to cover that song and it was so hard that we <laughs> ended up just being like, nah, we can't even try this. Cause like, I feel like you have to do it so well. Otherwise it's just kind of butchering the song. Mm-hmm. But one day I would love to cover the chain by Fleetwood Mac and have it be successful. <laughs> I think that would suit you really, really well. Thanks, thank you. Yeah. And you can go back and write a song for your favorite TV show, movie, or video game. What would that be? And what would the song be about? When I was younger, I was obsessed with this movie called Spirit, about the horse. Uh, And I remember being obsessed with the soundtrack too, because it was 
it was Brian Adams and he just has like this crazy voice. I would love to write like an emo acoustic track for the movie Spirit because I feel like that could be really sick. Yes. But maybe just have it be like really sad because that that movie is really sad at some points. And like I feel like it had me tapped into lots of emo feelings when I was just a little kid. So yeah, yeah, I had a spirit lunchbox. Um, oh my gosh! Him and his like girlfriend, his like girlfriend horse who had like the, the feather in her hair yes. or the mane. I guess that was. You're so right. Because like I was obsessed with that movie when I was younger, and I forgot how dark a lot of it is. Because like they like whip him and stuff, and they capture him. I I don't remember the specifics, but I, I can't remember if he was like a horse owned by like the cowboys or if he was a I know that like his girlfriend horse was a horse that was um owned by the Native Americans yeah in the movie but I can't remember like I think he was just changed owner oh wait I think he was a wild horse I think he was a wild horse too and he got captured by the cowboys but yeah he got captured and then it's this whole thing about how he's like supposed to be wild and it's very yes <laughs> that's but. so wild you mentioned spirit because i also have a tab open on my computer about like where you can go see wild horses um oh. <laughs> and then and like because i was always like i saw them once on a drive for utah and i've always wanted to like see them again from a distance oh my gosh me too there's this place in uh virginia that apparently it's like a national park i've tried to go there yeah somewhere. I forget what it's called, but they have like wild ponies there. Yes, I heard of that too. I know there's huge, um, uh, I guess, herds of them like all across the Western United States. But like, it's they're kind of remote, you know, and that's the purpose. Yeah, it's super cool. Spirit. I think they made a new movie about Spirit too. Yeah, for the new gen. <laughs> there's a new show and a movie coming out, but. Nothing can beat the first because Spirit was Matt Damon. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I don't know that. I didn't know that either. Wow. It's Matt Damon. You learn. <laughs> it's so funny when you're a little kid and you watch a movie and then you're like, oh my gosh, that bear is walking Phoenix. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but then, speaking of things we love and adore, are there any local artists or artists you've been listening to a lot during quarantine? Or artists you've played with before who you'd really just like the listeners to know about yes oh my gosh so many uh i let me think well i feel really lucky right now to be surrounded by uh a lot of wonderful musicians in los angeles uh, like derek ted field medic mm-hmm. uh Jake Tittle is another one who's great. DCR Pollock. There are just so many incredible musicians here who I've been lucky enough to meet and like play with. I'm trying to think. I have, oh, my friend in Nashville who I've played shows with before. Her name is Brennan Wadle. And she just released an incredible EP. And she is one of my favorite songwriters in the whole world too. I love her music. Uh, yeah, gosh, so many, so many great people. Definitely. Um, and then Jake Till, too, is um, still 
doing his residency at the satellite, I believe, or the uh, close. It's at the Silver Lake Lounge. Yes, the yeah. other one. <laughs> satellite, rip in peace. Yeah, rip in peace. I keep forgetting. Um, at the Silver Lake Lounge, I believe it's every Wednesday in August. So a few more dates remaining for anybody out there listening. If you need something to do on Wednesday night, go see um, show alumni Jake Tittle. <laughs> and what's something you could change about the local scene? Hmm. Something I would change about the local scene. Yeah, or something that like you'd like to see done better once like we emerge kind of out of COVID and stuff, like uh, venue-wise or just like the way shows are set up or... Yeah. I don't know that I've been here long enough to say I what I've seen so far about the music scene here I really enjoy and I feel like it's really inclusive uh, especially compared to some places I've lived before but I would probably say like when I lived in Nashville house shows were really big and I don't know if there is that much of a house show scene in LA. Um, I think there is somewhat, but mm-hmm. yeah, I absolutely loved the house show scene in Nashville. So if I could like bring that to LA and watch that be as prominent here, I would love that. Uh, but it might be, I just don't know. It also, yeah, with the pandemic and stuff, you know, there haven't really been any shows, but yeah, maybe more house shows. <laughs> definitely, no, definitely. That's something too. We um, whenever we talk to folks who um, you know, are from like maybe the Midwest or the East Coast or the South as well, um, they do a lot more house shows than we do out here. I'm not sure. We we've, we've talked about it at length on the show. Is it because they have more basements out there? You know, it's just is it because it's more of a tradition out there? You know, to be inside and like you know, something to do maybe in smaller towns. You know. Versus LA, it you know, there's kind of stuff to do all the time, you know. I know, and I suppose LA is quite big, so it's like there are so many different scenes here. It's hard mm-hmm. to, you know, Nashville's quite small in comparison. Yeah. I think the biggest issue is in LA, there's no basements and people's houses are on top of each other. So even if you have kind of a bigger yard, it's, you know, hard to get away with the noise. And then also just, I think, the fact that people... You know, if you grew up here, if you moved here as a young adult, like there's um, there's you know a lot more of a nightlife scene. So maybe people don't feel much that they have to like make their own spaces or their own um, communities. But I know everybody here is constantly like more house shows, please more house shows. But yeah. um, the, the logistics of it is always a bit um, difficult. Right, that's so true. I've never thought about it that way. Yeah. And we reached the part of our most important question of all time. <laughs> Sorry, Angie, for your other wonderful <laughs> questions, but this is the best one. Can you please define your perfect bagel? My perfect bagel. I'm a big pesto fan, so there would have to be pesto on there. Preferably an everything bagel or a sesame bagel. <laughs> I'm thinking pesto. Maybe some like vegan chicken, arugula, maybe some kind of like jelly 
sounds kind of crazy, but the sweetness could be good. <laughs> no, yeah. People always like look cheap. at me weird when I say, like, cranberry jelly on, like, turkey or chicken is so good. Oh, my gosh. It's that Thanksgiving vibe. I yes. Uh, I appreciate Thanksgiving food so much being an Australian. It's like, if I can have, like, Thanksgiving-themed food all year round, I'm so happy with that. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I always forget in other countries they do not do Thanksgiving or if they do something similar, it's not the same like right. North American, you know, style of food. So, right. yeah. I wonder if there's restaurants like in other countries that are like Thanksgiving themed. <laughs> like they're like, you know, like how we like here we have like kind of sometimes tacky like restaurants that like are spoke like very and authentic other of other cultures and stuff i wonder if there's somewhere you know across the globe that's like this is our american style thanksgiving restaurant there must be there must be somebody should do it great cast grab i know oh my gosh awesome. well thank you so so much for chatting with us on as we wrap up this great conversation and interview i have three questions to ask you the first of which is are there any other artistic projects you're working on that you'd like to like shout out at this time anything you want anybody to know about yeah I have recently started uh writing songs and recording them with Derek Ted so I think we're probably gonna have like a little secret side project on the way I don't know when but so far we have like we've done like two songs together uh not including that cover so I think yeah we just need to find a name and like get all of the other stuff sorted but we're very much enjoying making music together that's as well awesome. separate solo stuff so that's definitely on the horizon um I was in making music in this trio when I lived in Nashville too with two of my buddies there, uh, Andrew Goldring and Max Helgamo. And we we have two songs out uh, as that trio. And I think we'll probably release like a couple more, hopefully this year or next year. So I have that as well. And then, yeah, that's about it. But I love collaborating. So it's always down to do that. Yes, we love collaborated tracks too, so we really look forward to it. Can you say the name of the trio though? Um, if you and your friends for the listeners. Oh yeah, we don't, uh, so we don't have like a- Oh, okay, it's just all your names. I mean, yeah, it's just under like our three separate names. Okay, yeah. awesome. And then let us know what's going on with Juliet Sunflower. What can we look forward to? What's going on? We know you have some shows coming up. You have, um, a show coming up at the Silver Lake Lounge on August 25th and then um, another one on September 10th at a different location and then you're doing a house show in San Francisco on September 17th. Yes um yeah so I I've got those shows coming up and then I am releasing that EP that I was talking about earlier I'm releasing that on the 27th of August. So booked and blessed she's booked and blessed ladies and gentlemen <laughs> no it's nice it's nice to see that um after such a horrible 18 months we've had um so we wish you the best of luck and hope you have a lot of fun and um we're super excited for the ep oh, thank you so much 
And then finally, tell everybody where they can find you and your music on the World Wide Web. Yeah, so I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's all just at Juliet Sunflower. Um, and yeah, you can find me on Spotify and Apple Music and like all of the streaming stuff on Bandcamp. It's all just Juliet Sunflower all across the board. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so, so much for chatting with us. It was a fantastic conversation. We had a lot of fun and um, we hope to uh, keep in touch and hear from you soon. And thank you to everyone for tuning in and listening. Yes, and stay tuned for performance and more music and bits from us on Despair. On the air. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that concludes our interview with Juliet Sunflower, but the show is not yet over. No, 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 we have three songs to play for you, two of which are picks from Juliet. The first is I Want to Be Your TV by Brennan Whittle. The second is Thursday by Olivia Barton off the album I Could Have Smiled At You More. Yeah, and then to end off this block, we got the brand new single, Armor, by Career Woman. Yes, yes, yes. Then we got two songs performed by Juliet. They are called Deep in Your Waters and Mermaid. Hey Angie, what's your thoughts on the upcoming remake of The Little Mermaid? You know, I'm not a big fan of the Disney in-person remakes. I think there's a lot of magic and childhood wonder and animation and we shouldn't be pushing so much to make um live action media because animation is very special and we should i think be pushing forward more like animation yeah it's not just kids stuff but all sorts of stuff and that's just like like full realistic cgi too because sometimes that doesn't even fit Mm -hmm. for certain things it's really silly to do um cgi when you can just draw make it animated save money
she's eating while on camera Like she knows that she looks good Shoving her food down A teacher and an artist and a social worker, scientist There's more to life than being thin and pretty But I know what everybody's thinking I'm stuck in the middle Nothing is happening But everything's a riddle I know that I'm worthy I've got armor made of petals But something doesn't feel right I wanna fade into the light And just breathe This is Dave Daniel Waters.
This song is called Mermaid. listening to this episode of Despair featuring Julian Sunflower. We hope you enjoyed the tune so far. We got two picks from Juliet to play us out. Um, Juliet picked some real rockin' tunes this week. Thank you, Juliet. Yes! We're gonna end off the show with Rooftop by Andrew Crowdering. And then we're saying goodbye with I Like When You're Around. By Max Helgemo. Thanks for listening. Despair on the air. On BFF.fm. Don't forget to eat your bagel. Nom nom. Nom. Wow. There's a purple pink sky coming down to the rooftop. Somebody drove their car up on